It's Monday, February 28th. Welcome to the News Diet, a healthier alternative for staying informed. I'm your host, Michelle Carroll. Today, I'm going to talk about the Russian invasion in Ukraine. Let's be informed so we can get on with our day. Last Thursday, Russia officially began an invasion into neighboring country Ukraine. There were months of speculation of why Russian President Putin was amassing what ended up being around 150,000 troops along the northern, eastern, and southern Ukrainian borders. Putin claimed that it was a defensive tactic due to the strengthening ties between Ukraine and NATO. Ukraine isn't currently a member of NATO, but if they did join the military alliance, then that would mean Russia would theoretically have all 30 member nations right at its border during times of conflict. Russia wanted promises that Ukraine would not join, but neither Ukraine or NATO agreed to that. The last couple weeks, we saw leaders and diplomats from all over Europe, the U.S. and Ukraine, work around the clock hoping to find a peaceful resolution to the escalating tensions. Well, last week, hopes for a nonviolent solution ended. When Putin first declared eastern regions of Ukraine as independent territories and then used this as a workaround to move in for what he called peacekeeping missions. Ukraine and its allies didn't accept that, and essentially the two countries have been engaging in warfare since. Russian forces have moved in from the south, the east, which is where the so-called independent and pro-Russian territories reside, and then the north via ally Belarus, which is close to the capital of Ukraine, Kiev. Reports and intelligence seem to show that Russian forces hope to quickly take control of military bases, airports, and then the capital to then replace the governing body with its own. But over the last few days, Ukrainian defenses have held stronger than expected. Under the leadership of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, armed forces and civilians alike have mobilized to hold off Russian forces. And so far, they've been able to thwart off attacks on the capital and also the second largest city of Kharkiv, and even reclaimed an airport that Russians originally seized. There's been reports of gasoline and diesel shortages for Russian forces, which has resulted in stalled tanks and armored vehicles. President Zelensky has deployed the Territorial Defense Forces, a military reserve, which means members of the military who live civilian lives and are only called upon when more manpower is needed. Also, Zelensky has ordered a mobilization of all males aged 18 to 60 and is encouraging any civilian volunteers who wish to fight to do so. In the capital of Kiev, all others were placed on curfews until at least Monday morning. It's estimated that Putin has so far only deployed about two-thirds of the forces mobilized for the invasion. Even with the strong defense, battles have continued to break out around the country. While the northern Ukraine efforts have appeared to hold strong, the eastern and southern battles have reportedly experienced more advancements from Russia. This is the area of the country that already had some pro-Russian sentiments, so the groups have presumably joined forces. As of right now, Ukraine has reported 352 casualties and around 1,700 civilian injuries. Russia has acknowledged Russian casualties, but didn't give specifics. According to Ukraine, Russia has lost around 4,300 men, but that's yet to be verified. Also, close to half a million refugees have left the area for neighboring countries like Poland, Hungary, and Romania. 
The international response has been largely critical of the invasion. Amnesty International, the non-governmental organization focused on human rights, said that there's evidence of violations of international humanitarian law and war crimes. Some international law experts have said that the invasion violates the Charter of the United Nations and could be prosecuted under universal jurisdiction. Many European and North American countries have offered Ukraine either military resources like weapons and other equipment, while others have offered protective gear in lieu of weapons. The U.S. provided $260 million worth of resources back in August and September, and on Saturday authorized $350 million in military assistance. International powers have also started imposing sanctions and other disciplinary actions towards Russia. Many countries have cut off the airspace to Russian airlines. The EU, U.S., Britain, and Canada have coordinated to paralyze Russia's central bank by preventing it from accessing international reserves, which is about $643 billion that normally is supposed to serve as a safety net, and also has banned some Russian banks from the SWIFT platform, which is a messaging system that connects banks around the world and is considered critical to international finance. The U.S. also announced export controls on technology components using American parts or intellectual property, so think hardware or software, and particularly having to do with the aerospace, defense, and shipbuilding industries. This now means any person or company that wants to sell these parts to Russia would need to obtain a license first. Also, many countries around the world have reported the removal of Russian products from their stores and restaurants, and many in the sports community have pulled out from many upcoming games in the country. The International Judo Federation even suspended President Putin's status as honorary president and ambassador. And also, one of the world's largest oil companies, BP, announced they were dropping their 20% stake in Russian oil giant Rosneft, which equates to about $14 billion. We've also started seeing the economic implications of the invasion, with the Russian stock market falling 39% on the first day of the invasion, and the Russian currency, the ruble, falling to a record low. Also, wheat prices surged to their highest in 14 years, as Ukraine is the fourth largest exporter of corn and wheat and the world's largest exporter of sunflower oil. Together, Russia and Ukraine export 29% of the world's wheat supply and 75% of the world's sunflower oil. In response, China has dropped all restrictions on Russian wheat, which is seen as helping out Russia. This brings up the question, who are Russia's allies here? Well, the most notable are Russia's fellow members in the alliance that's called the Eurasian Economic Union. This is a union among some post-Soviet states that consider to be a counterpart to other international alliances like the European Union. The members here are Russia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Armenia, and Kyrgyzstan. So far, Belarus has already helped Russia out by allowing military drills in their country, and then later, the invasion into Ukraine through their border. A lot has happened the last few days. Ukraine is still very much fighting for their sovereignty, and just yesterday, Putin escalated his nuclear forces into what's called special combat readiness, which is an alert system implying nuclear considerations. Today, though, there are plans for Ukrainian and Russian delegations to meet to discuss de-escalations if possible. I'll definitely be keeping up with developments to share with you tomorrow. It's Monday, February 28th, and you've just been informed. Now it's time to get on with your day. I'm Michelle Carroll. Thanks so much for listening.
If you like the news diet, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast so you can always get the latest episode and leave a review as we all know how that helps boost a show's visibility. If you have any suggestions on how I can improve the show, I definitely want to hear from you. I want the news diet to be as valuable as possible for you. So if you feel compelled, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at the news diet or directly to my email feedback at the news diet.com.